Hey there, guys and gals, it's me, El Capitan Muerte himself, Captain Death, here to tell you guys about an exciting new announcement I have that I'm going to put online here for a couple of the episodes. We have a new merch store up on redbubble.com. I have some experience working with these guys. They have an uh, amazing customer support and really great detail that they work with. Um, anyone who has experience doing prints with them, uh, you know it's always positive. They started off as an Australian-based company and recently got a really big headway with shipping to America now, so everything is a lot better. Things get get here faster. So we have a whole slew of designs. If you are looking at our SoundCloud right now, the SoundCloud profile, you're going to look on the right-hand side for our About, and underneath you're going to see Library of Tracks on Mixcloud, Episodes up on YouTube, Follow Us on Facebook, and then a new button that I just added called Merch Store. You click that, it'll lead you right to that portfolio uh, landing page where you can check out all the designs we have uploaded. If you are on our YouTube and you're looking at our channel, you're going to look over at that right right hand side where it says SoundCloud profile. The farthest on the right button is a red bubble button, and it says merch store. If you hover over it, you could get there that way. And lastly, if you were on our Facebook group and you noticed the about uh, that tells you about the group a little bit, you're going to scroll down and see products, and that's going to be the link right there uh, to lead you over to our Redbubble store. If you are computer savvy and sober enough to follow along with this, you're going to want to type in www.redbubble.com backslash people backslash El Capitan Muerte, and I know that that is uh, confusing for the less than sober and the less than Spanish, um, but that is E-L-C-A-P-I-T-A-N-M-U-E-R-T-E, www.redbubble.com, backslash people, backslash El Capitan Muerte. And that'll lead you right to our page. And you notice if you are there, scrolling down, there's a welcome post, a little bit of info about the page. And then there are two collections. One is called The Many Faces of LPP. And then the other one is called Title Card Designs. Um, on The Many Faces of LPP, you are going to see all of the face stickers that I have designed you could buy me, uh, Christmas me, frowns, Christmas frowns, literally anyone who's been on the show. I uploaded their design as like a sticker or, you know, if you want to get it on a t-shirt or a hoodie, I know uh, Where Am I already bought his design on a hoodie. And um, all of the proceeds go straight to Redbubble and I get a, I get a cut of that, a margin of that. So your stuff does come back to me. I'm making about... Uh, a quarter on every dollar, so uh, every dollar spent, you know, it's, it's you know, coming to the podcast. Uh, the podcast will always be free, but I always hear about people wanting to donate or, you know, do something cool, and I thought the best way we could do that is I could rep the art that I work on for the show, 
while also giving you something cool to hold on to, whether it's a sticker or a t-shirt. The other collection, which you can also toggle on the left-hand side once you're inside one of the collections, is the title card designs, and that's uh, the title of the show, which is uh, just the really nice cursive uh, singular script I did uh, by hand when I designed the logo for the show. And then there are two uh, t-shirt designs. One is a rectangle. Uh, it's the banner, the new banner that I pretty much put everywhere. And then there is a like basic t-shirt design, which has literally everyone on it with the title card. So um, I made these two specifically for this website. And I uploaded everyone else's faces as kind of like a bonus. So I will be uploading more shirts as we continue. If there's ever going to be another character added to the show, which I have a bunch already on a list, I just need to put a time together to get some new people on. Um, they will be added to all the designs. All the designs will be updated. Um, the banner, the t-shirt, you know, a new face to the gallery of faces. So... Definitely, if you want to uh, follow us on that page, if you are uh, signed up for Redbubble, you can follow us and it will notify you whenever I upload a new design. I already told you guys I'm going to work on some kind of funny, like satirical versions of like Goosebumps covers with our characters on the show. I, I know there's a there's a bunch of stuff in my head that I'm going to be working on. So I just want to let you all know that. I am working diligently both on the podcast, on the Let's Plays for the YouTube, as well as designs and merch for everyone, because I know this is something a lot of people had been waiting on for, for a while, and it, it wasn't hard to do, it was just time-consuming. So, uh, all you fucks over there in New Zealand, you, you be happy for the merch you get, as well as uh, anyone who's on the show, um, anyone picking up any merch, any anyone who, who is a fan of the show, uh, you know, buy a sticker. It's like three bucks. Have, have fun. You know, you do you. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on to the show. Uh, thank you all so much for your patronage, and stay spooky. Skeletons and shivers down your spine Shrieking skulls will shock your soul And seal your doom tonight Spooky, scary skeletons Speak with such a screech You'll shake and shudder in surprise When you hear these zombies shriek Hello everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to listen to another uh, solo episode here uh, just with me by my lonesome, um, depending on how these episodes do, you know, I might keep them going, I might keep them shorter, um, or I might not do them all together, uh, it's always kind of an experiment here on the show, trying new formats, doing new things. I am recording on a nice Sunday morning. I am already stoned. My throat is a little sore. Um, I should probably not smoke so much. Uh, but alas, my life is full of vices, and weed is my only medication. And... This episode, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've had this story for a while. Part of me thought about reading it on a Mark Rooster episode to give him a shout out. Because the first kind of like couple episodes I've done with him, um, I, I believe he's only been on three episodes so far. The first one was Dianea House, and it's all over email. 
and I believe a couple of the other ones also touch on emails, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it's interesting. At least this one is, uh, just based on the title, you'd think that I would want to read this with someone like Mark Rooster, but I actually think, based on how Ted the Caver went, I think I'm going to save kind of solo-ish feeling stories, like stories where the narrator is by themselves, um, stories where something only really happens to a singular person. I know that that kind of, that kind of covers a lot of stuff in horror. Um, I think I'm just going to always kind of save one for myself and just put it aside, like one that seems to be only like one person kind of talking about something that happened to them. Um, instead of something with, like, multiple characters and voices and dialogue. I think this one is pretty specifically just a series of fucked-up events that happen to a singular character, so I think it makes sense for me to read this by myself, because it's kind of like a guy recounting a story uh, to an audience. And that's what I'm doing for here for you guys today. I'm gonna keep the pre-talk to a minimum... I'm um, not going to talk about any movies or anything, um, but I will mention some stuff after the story, so if you are a diehard of the show, then, you know, st stick around for after the show. I'm going to touch on a couple things that maybe I didn't want to touch on with someone else sitting here with me, but, you know, just something for the audience to know, something, some behind-the-scenes type of shit. I think I'm just going to jump into this story. I, I hope everyone's okay with that. It's a little bit different with just me doing this by myself, but, uh, you know, that's the way these episodes go. So, the title of this story is called My Life Was Ruined Because of an Email I Should Have Never Received. Um... I work with emails pretty much every day. There are a lot of emails I never should have received. Um, I, I don't know if I'd be as dramatic to say that my life was ruined by any of them, but um, apparently this guy has a really bad time because of one specific email. So let's kind of jump in there and see, uh, see what this whiner is whining about. Before I get into this, I need to make something clear. This isn't happening right now. I'm not going to beg for advice or help, because I'm beyond any of your help. I've had to give up everything in my life that ever mattered. This happened more than nine years ago, and I'm finally taking the risk to share it. World events are seriously scaring me, and I have more personal reasons that I can get into later. To post this, I've driven around town for 40 minutes before I found an unsecured internet connection. I'm not risking posting this from my own, I made a throwaway account which has no ties to anything related to my life. I'm well, and truly fucked, and it's all because of an email I should have never received. Title drop. In the summer of 2005, I thought I had everything I ever needed from life. I had just finished grad school and begun teaching English at a local community college, first mistake. Had married the love of my life that January in an awesome and geeky ceremony 
Second mistake. We had moved into a fix-it-up bungalow on three acres of land. Third mistake. And we had just rescued... And... Uh, <laughs> and we had just rescued an elk hound puppy from a local shelter. I'm not gonna say that that one's a mistake because puppies are very often not mistakes. They just make many mistakes. Life was good. Looking back, I wish I had enjoyed those days more. Ain't that just the way? My wife, I'll call her Faye. It's not her real name. And I had just finished work. My wife! My wife! And I had just finished working outside one night in July, and we were relaxing with a beer on the porch. Fireflies were doing their little I glow, you glow, we all fuck like rabbits dance. I don't, I don't know that. And our puppy was gnawing on a pair of my socks I had tied into a knot for him. I asked Faye if she would mind if I checked my email before we went to bed. I was expecting a notification about the classes I was going to teach in the fall and was looking forward to actually using my degree. Faye went up to bed and I logged into my work email account. There wasn't an email from my department chair, but there was a new email entitled Progress of EBOV-7X. I figured it was spam but I impulsively clicked on it anyway. The email's intended address was literally two letters off from mine, and it came with an attachment named E-7X results and suggestions. It was addressed to a man named Mark, and it reads as follows. <laughs> Mark Rooster. <laughs> Mark. Attached are the prelim results from the last batch of tests on EBOV-7. The X generation seems to be holding up much better to the modifications. Remember, this is eyes only, so don't print this out or anything. You're new here, and we all think your help is really what's gotten us off the ground on this. If you have anything to add, let me know ASAP. Provided this gen holds up, we'll have a much better quarterly report for the big wigs than we did last time. Don't wear the tie with the mustard stain on it, okay? Reagan. I had no clue who either of these people were and I didn't recognize domain name of the email address. The only part I could make out was Detrick. Just as I finished reading it, Faye called and asked if I was ready to head to bed. I told her I would only be a minute, the cursor hovering over the download link for the PDF file. Every reasonable part of me said to just delete the email, to pretend I never saw it, but as you can probably tell, I was youthful and impulsive. I clicked the download link and after a few seconds the download file popped up in my downloads. I opened it, fully expecting it to be password locked, I mean, from the tone of the email, wouldn't you? It wasn't. Fuck, I wish it had been. After it opened, I was bombarded with sentences so thick with scientific lingo that I had difficulty even parsing them out. I was a liberal arts major, for fuck's sake. There was one diagram I recognized, though, from having a friend in undergrad who majored in epidemiology. For those of you who don't know, that's Ebola. 
I skimmed down until I finally found a paragraph that summarized what I had been struggling to read. With the iteration of EBOV-7X and the hiring of new personnel, we believe we have finally addressed the main desires of the client. EBOV-7X contains the following alterations from the base, EBOV-0. Increased incubation time of 12 to 40 days as opposed to EBOV-0 incubation of 2 to 12 days. Suppress the lack of appetite, common in EBOV-0, thus removing one of the major diagnosable tools. Increased durability of the virus, allowing it to remain hot for up to 8 hours outside the human body. Decreased rate of fever, increased by 20%, allowing for upwards of 35% more time before patient becomes immobilized. I pushed my chair away from the computer and simply stared for a minute. I rubbed my eyes and reread the paragraph over and over again. I couldn't believe what I was reading. What would be the point to this? Who would want these changes to an already deadly virus? Taking a deep breath, I forced myself to relax. I wasn't an expert on anything related to Ebola. I kind of am, thanks to that stupid-ass story with Tenron Otrin. But one of my strengths had always been an ability to think outside the box and move past my own internal assumptions. I asked myself, what purpose would these changes have? What would be the goal behind it? As I asked myself that, the answer came to me quickly. It wasn't about making a vaccine or wanting to remove the danger from the virus. Someone was altering Ebola to make it less noticeable, to make it less easily diagnosable. Someone was making a version of Ebola that wouldn't burn itself out. A version of Ebola that could be a pandemic. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. On pure autopilot, I copied the file onto a USB stick and put it in my messenger bag as I used for work. I marked the email as unread and deleted it, then went upstairs to bed. As Faye snored beside me and the puppy curled himself into the crook of my neck, sleep did not find me. I had no clue what to do. Should I go to the police? The news? Should I just forget it ever happened? Eventually I fell asleep and got up the next morning. I debated telling Faye about the email. I had never kept anything from her for the four years we dated, but I decided against it. For all I knew, it was nothing, and there was no reason to worry her. I drove to work and tried to forget about it. I worked on getting my office situated to my liking and was about to call Faye to meet me for lunch when two men in dark suits knocked on the open door. Yes, Dr. George, they asked. No, that's not my real name. You won't find my real name. Yes, I repeated. This is Mr. Rain. And I'm Mr. Froll, one of them said. If you asked me now, I wouldn't be able to tell you which was which. They were both middle-aged white men, brown hair, clean-shaven, and wearing dark sunglasses. 
You may have received an email from our company's server by mistake last night, did you? Okay, I'm gonna have to cut it off here. The family whose Wi-Fi I'm ripping off have locked out. Okay, I'm gonna have to cut it off here. The family whose Wi-Fi I'm ripping off have looked out the window four times at my car, and now someone has a phone in their hand. I'll have to be more careful next time. I'll be back as soon as I can. Stay safe. Part 2 Okay, back everybody. I'm being a bit more careful this time. I'm still hijacking this family's Wi-Fi to post this and browse of Reddit a little bit, but I'm here in the middle of the day now. The only one home from what I can see is the uh, wife or mother, and she hasn't noticed me yet. Some of you are probably wondering why I even bothered to drive 40 minutes to do this. I'm not comfortable even writing this out on my home network, let alone posting it from there. I've lived in 60 different cities since this happened, and I like where I am now. I really don't want to have to move again. Anyway, when I had to cut out last time, I'd just been approached by two men in suits. At that moment, I had never been so appreciative of my grandparents teaching me to play poker. I frowned and looked upward to the left, acting like I was trying to remember, in case you're wondering. The idea that looking up and to the left suggests telling the truth while the opposite suggests lying is a myth doesn't stop people from believing it, though. I told them I had gotten it, but that I had marked it as spam and deleted it. Would you mind showing us? One of them asked. He smiled, took off his sunglasses, probably in an attempt to appear more cordial. The second kept his glasses on, which made it impossible to see where he was looking. If we don't ask, our bosses are guaranteed to give us hell for it. No sunglasses said. I agreed and logged onto my university email. I pulled up the trash folder and showed them the apparently unread email. We really do apologize for this, the first man said. We've been installing new internal servers, and we've been having trouble with stored addresses and queuing emails. The new system is meant to automatically find the correct email address, but it's been attaching wrong domain names to IDs that are close. They watched as I deleted it totally, and seemed content. Each of them shook my hand, reminded me that the email was under corporate non-disclosure, and walked out. As soon as they were gone, I shut the door and collapsed into my chair at the computer. What kind of company was this? How in the world did they find me, find where I worked, and send people in less than 24 hours? I looked at the USB stick in my bag, but didn't touch it. In some weird way, I had worried I had damned myself with it, but I couldn't shake the feeling that it would end up being more important than not. I finished up my workday and headed home. The next day was Saturday and we needed to mow. While some of you may think, why would mowing take a whole day, I can only respond by saying that one of the downsides of having land is taking care of it. We had two tractors so that Faye and I could mow at the same time and finish it in as little time as required. Before I explain what happened that Saturday, you need to understand something. Without fail, I serviced those tractors every time we used them. 
I cleaned the mower decks, sharpened the blades when they needed them, and double checked the engine. I checked oil and gas before and after using them. Yes, I'm a little OCD. It's been of more help than harm. Faye and I each typically used the same tractor, but she had told me that her tractor had felt like it was pulling to the left instead of going straight ahead. I told her to use mine, and that I would check it out. She started the tractor and began to mow our field. The tractor worked fine for about 15 minutes, then the engine began to splutter and cough. I noticed it, waved for Faye to stop. She did, shutting the tractor off and starting to walk towards me. Several things happened all at once. I stood up, walking to meet my wife, halfway. Faye walked towards me, smiling. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a dark maroon sedan slow down as it drove past our house. The tractor exploded behind my wife into a fireball. Pieces of metal and rubber flew in every direction, and the shockwave knocked Faye forward onto the ground. The blast of heat hit me full in the face and felt like I had dropped face first into a bonfire. I ran to her, scared shitless, and she was fine, though the wind had been knocked out of her. I moved her to the garage, told her to call 911, and ran back to the burning husk of my tractor with a fire extinguisher. I used the ex entire extinguisher, but I couldn't get the blaze to totally stop. The next few hours were a blur. The fire department showed up, followed by police. The neighbors gawked from their front porches, and we were asked the same questions over and over again. The cops asked if either of us had any reason to suspect foul play. God help me, I should have mentioned the meeting with the two men at work and the email, but I kept my mouth shut. What would I have said anyway? Well, gee, officer, I received an email last night from a company making a biological weapon out of Ebola, and today two men in dark suits showed up at work to ask me about it in a vaguely threatening manner. I would have laughed at that myself had someone else said it. By the time everyone had left, we were exhausted and starving. We loaded up the puppy in my car and went to Faye's parents' place, where her dad cooked on the grill and I got lectured on the importance of taking care of my tools. Thing is, I did. Still do. There was no reason for that tractor to explode. After dinner, we went back to our home. There was a huge circle of blackened dirt and burnt grass in the field where the tractor had exploded. But otherwise, there was no sign of the circus that had filled our lives only a few hours earlier. Faye was exhausted, and she went straight to bed. I couldn't sleep. I kept running over every check to the tractor that I had done, trying to see where I could have gone wrong. The fuel lines weren't loose, no matter what my father-in-law insinuated. There had been no reason for it to explode. Now, properly feeling my paranoia, I needed to double-check the other major property that I gave my OCD an outlet on. The guns. Yes, I own guns. I grew up around them, and they're only tools. Treat it with proper respect, and there's nothing inherently wrong with them. We had a shotgun in the living room, on top of the television stand. 
There was a handgun in the kitchen, a holster screwed into the bottom of the cupboards behind the fluorescent light for the counter, and a revolver my wife kept on her nightstand. Lastly, I kept a mare's leg in the basement, hidden in the pantry behind rows of mason jars filled with pears and peaches. I cleaned these every Sunday, disassembling them and making sure they were in order. As I walked through the house, checking each of the guns, the firing pins were missing. Let me repeat that. The firing pins from the guns I cleaned every Sunday, like clockwork, were missing. The only gun that hadn't been tampered with was the mare's leg downstairs. The lines of dust hadn't even been disrupted, and the gun was still able to fire without complications. I went back upstairs and sat in the living room, trying to let my wife rest while I had a panicked breakdown. In the span of less than 24 hours, I had learned a company was apparently making a biological Ebola weapon, been confronted by men in suits who claimed to represent said company, had one of my tractors explode nearly killing my wife, and had come home to find someone had tampered with my belongings in an attempt to make me unable to defend myself. What the fuck is going on here? My first concern was for Faye. Was someone targeting both of us, just her? How would I be able to protect her? I thought back over the day, remembering the maroon sedan that had driven past when the tractor exploded. There was nothing noteworthy about it, but an instinct told me to watch for it again. I added gun shop to the errand to list on the fridge and went to sleep resolving to keep an eye out for the sedan. It didn't help. Over the next weeks, I recognized a pattern of three distinct cars following my wife and I around town. There was a black Honda, the maroon sedan, and a dark blue motorcycle. When I would take the puppy outside, one would inevitably drive down the road while I was outside. When we would go to the movies, one would be parked within five spaces of our car. I even started to notice them at family gatherings, driving past when one of my cousins had a birthday party or when we visited Faye's grandmother at the nursing home. At the same time, more accidents began to occur around our home. The heat would miraculously go out only for a repairman to say that we lucked out because, because if I hadn't come when I did, you'd have a pretty serious buildup of carbon monoxide here. The springs on the garage door suddenly began failing, almost crushing the puppy when I was working outside. The power brakes went out in my car, forcing me to cruise down the breakdown lane on the highway until I eased to a stop and put the emergency brake on. Did they know somehow that I had downloaded that information and kept it? Were these really accidents or attempts for my life? After three weeks of this, I got out of bed in the middle of the night and checked the guns again. No missing pieces, and I sat in the dark to think. Deleting the information wouldn't help. If they knew I had it, they wouldn't know I deleted it. If push came to shove, it was the only leverage I had. The email had come to me by mistake, so it wouldn't be logical to assume Faye had read it. She had been on the tractor I usually used when it exploded. It was clear to me that I had been meant to be on it, not her. The accidents had only started around the house since the visit by the two men, Rain and Froll. 
I hadn't seen them again in person, but the trio of vehicles were ever-present. A real part of me wanted to take my guns and go hunting, but this wasn't the Wild West. I wasn't going to risk someone getting shot in crossfire, and I wasn't sure if the police would accept my story. If this company had the capacity to find me in less than 24 hours, how could I be sure they wouldn't fabricate evidence against me? Should I tell Faye about all this? She was my wife, my partner. I knew she'd be in my corner 100%, but I couldn't risk her safety. Looking back, I know this sounds chauvinist. I'm not. Faye was more talented than I was in a lot of ways, but I was raised to believe that a man protects his family no matter what. Discounting the problems with the ventilation systems, everything that happened was directed at me. If I told her, she'd become as legitimate a target as I apparently was. As long as these people kept trying to proactively silence a leak, I suppose would be their way of saying it, my wife was in danger of being collateral damage. Her remaining that way was not an option, and I had to think of a way to ensure her safety permanently. I was out of options, at least the ones that left me in a position I wanted to be in, namely, with my wife safe in the life we built. The only option I had, the only option I had left that would keep me alive and keep my wife and family safe was one I didn't want to do. I had to disappear, vanish out of the clear blue sky. and make it as close to impossible as I could to follow me. Once I was off the grid, I could find a way to either expose the company or make some kind of deal with them. I couldn't expect Faye to follow me, nor would I want to expose her to that level of danger. I would have to abandon the love of my life, every accomplishment I ever earned, in order to survive this, at least temporarily. I was so fucked. Part 3 Back again, I'm not sure if it's just because I miss everything that made life familiar, but this family has really made me smile. Just knowing normal life continues, you know? I doubt anyone is monitoring... I doubt anyone is monitoring Reddit No Sleep, and having some human interaction where I can be honest is refreshing. I never thought anybody would honestly care, so thank you to everyone who has commented. I said I've lived in 60 cities, which sounds like a lot. Some were as short as a week, others were a few months. But once you start moving, it's hard to stop. When you decide to disappear, it isn't nearly as easy as it sounds. Everyone tends to assume that it's easy to drop off the grid totally to just walk away from the life you've lived up to that point and choose a new path, but it isn't. At least not if you don't want to eventually be found again. It isn't as simple as take the money out of the bank, stop going to work, go to new town. To give myself a head start and to make sure it was clear that Faye wasn't involved, I had to do the legwork to provide misinformation to the people chasing me. I'm not going to go into a whole breakdown of how I managed to vanish. 
if you really want to plan it for yourself, there are plenty of materials available. I'm just going to give you an overview to make it clear how I approach the whole thing. I first gave business cards and cash to friends who worked overseas. I told them they would be doing me a huge favor and nobody suspected anything. Or if they did, they never voiced their concerns. One went to China, another to Western Europe. Every time they left a card, it was a marker that someone would have to investigate at a cursory level at least, which would buy time. Two of our friends had just gotten married and they went to South America on their honeymoon. When we went to their home for a dinner party, I excused myself and quickly photoshopped tiny photos of my face into the mulling crowds behind the couple's smiling selfies. When the photos were posted on Facebook, any kind of facial recognition would hopefully find me in the background and again demand some level of investigation. Lastly, I randomly picked four towns off a map. I bought a prepaid cell phone, and when I should have been working, I looked up apartments for rent in those locations. I called and made appointments to look, appointments I never intended to keep. I called water services, cable and internet providers, magazine companies, all to set up subscriptions or knowingly false installation dates. For the people reading this who recoil and think to myself, what a jackass, you can bottle your displeasure. When a company like that comes to a place to make an installation and there isn't anyone there, they simply don't do the installation. It's no skin off their nose. For the callback number on all those appointments, I made sure to give the number to the nearest police or federal authority station. I doubted the people who sent the email would be worried, but I fully intended to make it clear that I was meeting them step for step. For every sales plan or rewards program I belonged to, I called and changed my information slightly. I purposefully misspelled my name or had them fix quote-unquote, my address to one of the four towns I had picked, or to a P.O. box I had just prepaid for. Everything was done with one reason. To make it as time-consuming as possible to hunt down every lead I could place in order to give me time to find a way out of this mess. To make sure I didn't lose the information I had saved on the USB drive from the email, I printed everything out from it twice and sent each set of copies to a different P.O. box owned by private companies. Again, this isn't a how-to, but this is an easy way to break it down. Box A, fake everything. Town I never planned on visiting. Box B, fake everything. Town I never planned on visiting. Box C, real. Sent one copy here. Town adjacent to a place I was familiar with. Box D, real, sent one copy here, town where I planned on disappearing to, to start with. The whole time, I had to keep Faye in the dark. It killed me to see her smiling or playing with the dog, or to hear her murmur, I love yous, as she fell asleep next to me. If I had been able, I would have rewound until just before I had opened that damn email and continued to sit with her for as long as I was able. I managed to keep my misinformation building efforts away from her, but the accidents kept happening. 
our oven broke and the heating element didn't stop getting hotter. I had to shut the power off for the whole house in order to avert a fire. On my way to work, the stoplight glitched just as it turned green for me, staying green for the opposing lanes as well. I almost got t-boned by an old man driving a midlife crisis mobile and had to grip the steering wheel extra tight to keep from yelling. One afternoon, Faye took Sigmund, uh, we named our dog, out for a walk in the backyard. I heard her scream and ran outside with the shotgun. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew I wasn't going to go down without making a fight for it. She was holding the puppy and shaking and pointed out to the field. Even from that distance, I could make out the timber rattler moving through the grass. She told me the puppy had noticed it before she did, and she barely had time to yank back on the leash and move away before the snake had coiled up onto itself and began rattling. I walked out, aimed, and suddenly there was a cooling snake blood all over a five-foot circle. Faye was shaken and asked me if I had ever seen one before. I told her no. And while we were technically in range for one, I had never seen a snake like that in a populated area like where we lived. These accidents were getting more and more desperate. I have no doubt that if they had simply wanted me dead, they could have shot me. From my own perspective, it seemed apparent that the desired outcome was to silence me permanently without any foul play being suspected at all. I didn't have any time left. I disappeared on an early Tuesday morning. I had seen a lawyer previously and drawn up divorce papers. I gave Faye everything short of a few hundred dollars. I didn't want to divorce her, but I had to keep propping up the fact that she didn't know anything about E-7X or plans to weaponize Ebola. I kissed her on the cheek as she slept and quietly got dressed. I had slowly been packing for a few days, a bar of soap here, a shirt there, and was ready to go without more packing, and as I got up, Sigmund yawned and looked at me, tail wagging. I had to bite my tongue to keep from crying as I scratched behind his ears and kissed him, trying to commit to memory, his smell, and the feel of Faye's skin under my hand. I signed the divorce papers and left them on the kitchen counter. I tried to write a note to give some kind of explanation, but nothing came. At least nothing that would keep her safely ignorant of what I had to leave. I ended up writing, I'm sorry, I'll always love you, and left it at that. I left behind everything I had loved in a last-ditch effort to keep them all safe. It was lonely and terrifying. I've been on the run ever since 2005. Nine years. Nine long, fucking, lonely years. Well, technically it's 14, but fuck. But fuck. 
I never stopped moving in the first two years, staying in one place for no more than two months before packing up and moving. I worked odd jobs, always got paid under the table in cash, and lied with a smile every time someone asked me where I was from or about the ring I wore around my neck. I've tried three times over the years to get the evidence I have to the people who might be able to help me. Two were politicians, and one was a news person. I suspect you'll recognize their names. Larry Craig, Anthony Weiner, and Tim Russert. I picked the politicians not because they were tough on bioweapons or the vast military-industrial complex, but because they represented states far from my home state. When I reached out to Craig on August 23rd, his staff seemed remote but interested. Four days after, I turned on the radio and heard that Roll Call was reporting that he had been arrested for lewd conduct. Holy shit. I went underground again after that for the better part of a year, moving and always keeping an eye over my shoulder. I reached out to Russert next, contacting his staff and explaining that I had a story that I was only to trust to Russert himself. I was a fan of Meet the Press for a number of years and always appreciated that he never seemed to play favorites. In the back of my mind, I daydreamed about my life turning out like something from the Pelican Brief, reuniting with Faye, seeing my parents again, my old employers, offering my job back out of the pride for my accomplishments. I heard back from them on June 10th of 2008, where his chief of staff explained that Tim would be contacting me personally to set up a meeting. On June 13th, Russert died of an apparent heart attack. I cleared out my meager apartment and was on the next Greyhound bus the same day. After that, I left the U.S. for several years. It was easier to hide in more populated areas, and while my facility with other languages was never fantastic, I knew enough to pass by. I crossed back into the country in late 2010 and decided to attempt to go public again. I contacted a junior congressman from New York this time, someone on the opposing side of the political aisle for my first attempt. I actually spoke with Wiener myself, and he offered me protection and his full support in exchange for the information I had. We verbally agreed, and I even traveled to NYC to meet him. We had agreed to meet in a nondescript corner restaurant, but he never showed. I waited for an hour, but nothing. My off-the-grid instincts were screaming, and I vanished into a dive bar. On the TV, I saw the story, a sex scandal where Wiener had been having online affairs. His credibility was totally shot. And with a name like Wiener, it just makes sense. I finished my beer and disappeared out of the city again. I've been underground ever since, and this is the first time I've used any kind of social media since. We've come to my secondary reason for posting this. I know Faye got remarried. I know my mother 
still holds a ceremony for me every year on my birthday, and my father died without knowing what happened to his son. I know Faye was into Reddit from the start of the site, and this subreddit is exactly the kind of thing she would be into. It's remote, a one in a million chance, but there's a possibility that she could read this. Faye, if you are, please know I love you. I've never stopped loving you. I never wanted to hurt you, and everything I've done has been to keep you safe. I know you haven't sold the house yet, I lurk online using proxies and public internet access. There's a lockbox buried under the third fence post away from the road. It has the first book we ever read to each other and a handwritten copy of my wedding vows. I had hoped to give it to you on our 30th wedding anniversary, but that isn't looking likely. Do what you want with it. I love you. Part 4 I can't stay here long. I wanted to address a few things in a longer post, but events have happened that make that no longer an option. This will be my last update in a very, very long time. When I woke up this morning, I turned on the radio and realized I fucked up. I fucked up badly. The family I had been skipping internet off of suffered a home invasion last night. The news is reporting that a team of four masked men stormed into their house at three in the morning. The invaders shot the family's dog, killing it instantly. They proceeded to torture the family, shooting the husband, father in the stomach, and forcing the wife, mom, and two kids to watch him bleed out. By the time the police were able to arrive, the invaders were gone. They murdered him and cut off three of the eldest child's fingers. Police reports are saying the intruders are asking about a man with my description, though the family didn't know anything. All because I stole their internet and posted this. I'm waiting on a bus station now. I need to disappear again though hopefully I can manage to do something for the family whose lives I managed to totally fuck up. I've seen a lot of comments here about going to WikiLeaks of quote-unquote being a hero. Here's the thing, I never wanted to be a hero, and you can call me a coward if you want. All I wanted was a normal life with my wife and a dog and two kids... I need to find a way back to that, if at all possible. This isn't a video game or an action movie. I can't just walk into a building with a gun and automatically assume everyone will recognize me as a protagonist, nor can I walk into a newspaper or TV station and have my life be fixed. I contacted WikiLeaks once to assuage my fears after what happened with Russert, and in the 24 hours it took them to contact me, there were men in town I was in at the time already asking about me. This isn't worth my life, and that's that. I haven't contacted Faye. Her new husband is old money, and she seems fine. I saw some of you suspect that he's in on this somehow, but I doubt it. I'm going to try to find a way to slip some kind of message to her. 
I think. To the person who claimed to be the company and said my trip to Europe didn't do anything. If you're real, thanks for proving it did. I never went to Europe, you idiot. Facial recognition will never outpace the human element. Lastly, to the people claiming to be companies hired by my wife to indulge my paranoid delusions, I congratulate you on your imagination. That's it. I wish I could laugh it off as easily as you. I don't think they would chase any of you, but watch your back for a few days just to be safe. Goodbye, Reddit, and thanks for listening, and for giving me some solid human contact. Goodbye, Faye. Forgive me. That's, uh, it's an interesting story. I, um, I don't much care for, um, Snowden-like situations. Like, I know that, you know, like, going on the lam and, you know, trying to protect your civil liberties and all that shit, like, uh, being a hero. I I like that he kind of tapped on that at the end, or the narrator, the writer tapped on that at the end, I think it's interesting. I, I, I'm I not sure if I agree with it. There's a part of me that believes like the Watchmen mentality, which is like, humanity is better off not knowing about the evils of their government, or the evils of the world, you know, like, ignorance is bliss and all that shit. Um, it's interesting. But, uh, I still liked the story. I like the narrative. I think, um, paranoia is one of those things that isn't hard to sell specifically in like a thriller um this almost read like a political thriller of some type like the the message is absolutely like dark government you know seedy underbelly uh this uh, they obviously had pull they obviously had reach um so that has to be government related and uh politicians were getting like killed and taken out of the picture, so it has to be something huge. You know, maybe a worldwide conspiracy? I don't know. It it seems to be just a fuck the US type of thing, which I can't blame someone for writing. Even, uh, even like four years ago, it sounds like this was written in, uh, what, like, 2014? He said nine years after 2005, right? So, 2014, so like five years ago? Which is interesting. Um, I don't know. It was a fun story. I hope everyone uh, liked listening to it. Um, I'm going to try to keep this succinct. Uh, try to keep it under an hour. I know people love the uh, the quickie episodes that we do here. Um, the only thing I kind of wanted to talk about in uh, post-story chat is uh, just a little bit of house cleaning. Um People, no doubt, will realize over the next couple months slash weeks, you know, continuing the show, that there are just going to be some people that, like, don't come back. And I don't want to make it sound like there are things going on. I mean, like, there are personal things in my life that are going on that are, that are causing some disruptions, I'll say. And, um, there are just some people who aren't going to be back on the show. And I, every, every group that has ever existed on YouTube or in, you know, 
even going back to boy band days in the 90s, like, there's drama. There's always drama. People produce drama. That's, it's not something I'm going to talk about. Like, even, even in my personal life, the things I've alluded to on this show, um, there, there's just, you know, the reasons for hiatuses, the reasons for episodes coming out a little bit later. There's always some shit going on, but I'm not going to super elaborate or specifically pull anyone's names into it. So I just want to say, you know, going forward, if if there are like three or four people that you really liked listening to at some point, but you just haven't seen their names up recently and they just they don't manage to ever come back on the show, you know, it's just understand that something between me and whoever just isn't on the same level anymore. Um, and I, I also want to specifically say that, uh, as specifically as I can, that I really only like to do the show with people who are enthusiastic about it. There are t- way too many times in the past where I've done this show with people who don't give a shit, and, and that sucks as a, as a product that I'm giving people, people that care. Um, there are a lot of people I'm going to talk about, fans of the show in the next coming episodes. Um, lots of shout-outs here and there. Um, and it, it keeps me going. It keeps me knowing that people are listening. Like, we obviously have an audience. Um, just the other day I was trying to put some numbers together. I think we have over 600 subscribers spread across like, eight different platforms with over 20,000 listens in multiple countries all around the world, ranging from Canada to New Zealand to South America to fucking Spain. You know, it's not just the U.S. I'm glad people are listening to the show, and I'm glad we have a reach. What I'm not glad about are people who just come onto the show to treat it like shit or to treat it as, like, something I'm forcing them to do. Like, I have friends. I have a lot of friends. Obviously, everyone on the show is a friend of mine, but it's not to say that there are some people that just aren't good fits for this and just won't be coming back, and I don't want people to think that um, I'm doing it by choice um, believe me, I'd have anyone back if they were up for it, but there, there are just some people I have to kind of phase out for one reason or another, um, as there's just been some disconnects. Some people just don't have their heart in the right place. Um, some people don't think this is important at all. Some people don't think any of it is cool or fun or interesting. It's just almost like work for them. And I, you know, being the one who does all of the work on this fucking show, I'm the only one who's allowed to complain about that. So if anyone ever comes to me with a negative opinion of recording on the show, I'm going to take them off the show. (laughs) So that's just letting you guys know that there are some people who aren't going to be back and I'm not trying to make any drama about it. But that's just what's happening. No no conspiracy theories, please. No name-calling, no guessing, no none of that. I just... You will notice in time 
that there are just people that aren't coming back. And, you know, if anyone were to ask specifically, when's the next episode with so-and-so, you know, I'm just going to give a vague generalized answer. Like, I I never know who's going to be the next person on the show. I, I, I love my brothers. I, I really do. It's just really hard to schedule stuff with them. I know Spum and Cum have fun episodes, and people like listening to their episodes, and I, I'm absolutely going to get them on another episode sometime soon, but it, it's just hard to schedule them sometimes, get them right on the same schedule as me. And um, there are people like Gestalt, who I love and I wish I could record with more, but frankly, you know, like, someone like Gestalt is just, like, way too busy, prioritizes his, uh, his uh, book, his writing, uh, over, you know, hanging out and doing a, a shitty podcast for fun. You know, I, and that's nothing I hold against him. I'm sure I'm gonna have him on another episode eventually. But, you know, I've, I've had people ask about certain people and why they're not back, and I just, I feel the need to address that... Uh, this show started as one thing and is quickly, you know, transitioning into another thing, and I'm I, I'm ever allowing people to get on and get off the bus whenever they want. I'm just the one driving it, you know. I'm just the person who keeps the ship going. I I have zero demands. If I were to lose everyone and everyone were to jump off the ship. I'd still be doing this by myself like I just did this episode. So the fact that I could still get people to come back and record with me, um, you know, shows that this show is not going to be ending anytime soon. Um, I'll still be doing these solo episodes every once in a while. We're working on a quick fix for episode 53, and that's that's really all I really want to say about that. But, but I'm, I have a couple things in the works. Spire in the Woods just started. It's really good. I hope people are enjoying that. And um, we have a couple group episodes coming up, like larger groups of people that maybe uh, we haven't seen before. Uh, combos of people that I'm excited about. Um, and a lot of people that haven't been on in a while. So, you know, uh, if you notice that your your favorite storyteller has been missing for a little while, you know, maybe they'll come back, maybe they won't. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, but as always, I'll be here, your Capitan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following, subscribing, uh, doing whatever you gotta do to keep track of us. And, you know, keep on keeping on. Uh, I do this for you guys, so thank you so much for listening. And stay spoopy. Two to the one, to the one to the three. I like the pussy and I like the tree. Smoke so much weed you wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, to the one to the three. I met a bad bitch last night in the deep.